Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Josh, Taylor. Josh, how are ya? <laughs> I'm good, Christian. How are you? Good. So good to see you. Thank you. Likewise. Been too long. And with us, as always, is our research button-pushing guy, taking notes, telling us when to wrap up, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey, Jason. That's Rugg with two Gs, by the way. Right. And for a second week in a row, our executive producer, David Patterson, all the way from New York. Hello, David. Howdy, howdy. Hey, David. Hey. So today, we are talking about something very exciting, distribution. It may not sound exciting, but this is about getting the film out there, about making money, about becoming famous, right? That's, that's what we're talking about today, right? <laughs> um, I certainly wouldn't equate being famous with distribution, which oh. is an important thing to know, I think. You know, we don't really or shouldn't, as independent film producers, make movies to become famous. Uh, you <laughs> that you wouldn't lose money. Uh, but anyway, so no, just because you have completed a movie and gotten distribution doesn't mean that you'll become famous. Have you ever checked Netflix? Have you seen the <laughs> stuff on there? All the stuff that you don't watch, <laughs> that's most people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, it sounds like someone out there offered you a distribution deal, is that right? Yeah, that's our surprising news for this week. Uh, exciting, we, by the way. Yeah, we got our first offer for a distributor to, um, partner with us to distribute our film. So this actually is our second offer. We had an offer from a very small company, even smaller than this one. Um, and we did talk with them. We looked at their uh, blank agreement. And uh, it's not too dissimilar from the one that we've gotten today, I don't think. Is it, David? No, it's actually very similar, the, the overall terms, yeah. um, which is very common. Uh, which we'll discuss. Yeah, the difference in this, and I recall, is the um, exclusivity. Um, so I remember that difference between the exclusivity between the first one and this one. Uh, but anyway, this one is exciting because we had gotten into the trailer film festival, people might remember, which is where um, we got into this festival, we were selected, and our trailers were given to distributors, sales agents, and uh, studios. And uh, so this particular distributor is uh, focused on North America, located in Canada, uh, asked to see our film. We sent the film and we heard back this week that they are interested in um, representing it. So uh, I, they sent us a distribution agreement, a blank one that they're suggesting that we sign. Uh, I've shared that with Jason, who I would love, Jason, if you could sort of briefly uh, break that down. And Jason, go ahead, read the whole thing. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's, it's only 22 pages, um, so that'll be pretty quick. Um, the, the thing that really strikes me about this deal is that on page five, it goes into five pages of definitions of terms just so that you understand the rest of the contract. <laughs> and so it's, it's describing what AVOD is, which is advertiser uh, video on demand, you know, things like that. And then you actually get down to the deals and the, um, the percentage split and then the deliverables, which Christian, you said some of the deliverables really took you off, off track. So 
Well, I mean, the whole document really kind of blew me away. It was the first time that I'd seen a distribution, a blank distribution document that was this big. Um, and, you know, you started off with the terms, which, um, and then the definitions, and then the distribution deliverables, which were huge. Like the list of distribution deliverables was, was really seemed overwhelming to me. Um, and so that was useful and we might at some point think about going back through those. But for this purposes today, I'd sort of like to talk about uh, the deals. Can you sort of tell us what the deal looks like, Jason? Uh, sorry, I have, to, I have to scroll to find it. Give me a second. <laughs> uh, let's see, where was that? Um, so, so like one thing I know, sorry. All I was going to say is Christian from time to time sends us stuff in advance. Hey, review this in preparation for the podcast. I'll admit, sometimes I don't do that. And today I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to review this. I'm going to have questions. I open it up. It took five seconds for me to say, no, I am not reviewing. <laughs> this is a legal document that scares me to death. I mean, Christian, you're married to a lawyer. I'm surprised you didn't have Jeremy read it to you. But how, Jason, are you, what are you, I mean, for, for you looking at this for the first time, what are you gathering? Uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, well, like one thing that I think is really interesting is that, you know, it, it has technical requirements on it, which, you know, if you go look at like Amazon or Netflix and, and you're trying to submit something to them, they'll say, hey, here's our technical requirements. And so it's interesting to see what this distribution deal is also asking for. So there's little things like that that are particularly interesting where it's like they're looking for, you know, 422 Apple ProRes at minimum, which is a very large file. Um, that, you know, how it has to be delivered, you know, is it on a hard drive, you know, that sort of thing. So there's, there's some really interesting little pieces like that. Um, and I still can't find the deal. Well, what I, what <laughs> I can re is the reason it's 22 pages long is 21 of those pages is how to make sure you never see a dime for your movie. Right. <laughs> and, and as crazy as that sounds, I'll explain a little bit. Like the res delivery you saw there, that that's the specific reason is they can gift wrap it to the streamers and they can say, here's our film, just upload it. Uh, Cause right. I have uploaded some of my other smaller films to iTunes and such like that. And they, there's a, there's a standard demand that if you cannot make a conversion to that, they will not accept it. I had an older film that was at Sundance that had was called a fatal flaw in the framing repetition and so I could not get it onto Amazon. I could not get it onto Netflix. I could not because uh, there was a fatal flaw that digital is so high quality now, it would become glaring in the convergence. So now I have a film basically, <laughs> I can never show it to anyone unless I go back to the masters and spend like a hundred grand to make it so I can resubmit it onto one of these platforms. And I'm never gonna do that. Right. So that's why the deliverables are so extensive. So literally they don't have to do anything. <laughs> so, so you have to do all the, all the work. And that's the other problem for so many films that are made, they never get released because of the deliverables. And they say, look, we're not gonna charge you anything. We'll represent your movie, but this is what you have to give us in order for us to take it to the next level, which can be tens of thousands or, or 20 or 50,000, depending on, on what the deliverable demand is. Yeah. And as I read it, it is going to cost us money. Yes. To to put these deliverables together. Whether exactly. it 
pages of stuff that we have to print out in a simple form, whether it's drives that we have to buy, whether it's stuff that we have to ship, whether it's, I mean, it, the list just goes on and on and on. So we're going to have to spend more money to satisfy the terms of this deal to begin with. And then as I recall, this deal is a 25-75 split. And so they are saying, we'll take your film and you have to meet all these deliverables that we're giving you. And we will then shop it around to all of these different things, streaming platforms, uh, cable channels, um, broadcast channels, and we will try to license or lease the film for a specific amount of time, two years, five years, whatever. This deal, I think, was for a five-year period of time. And they are not going to offer us, they're not offering us any money up front. It's basically, we give them everything, they go to try to make the deals, and then they give us 75% of whatever deal they make. Uh, no. <laughs> and then David will explain that in a minute. And then um, they are offering us uh, to be added on to their ENO insurance, which is error and emissions insurance, which usually would cost us around $3,000. I guess that's nice of them. Um, but they are asking for complete exclusivity in North America, which means we can't do any other deal with any other distributor in North America or really do anything else outside of this deal. You know, you know what it makes me think of like parents who've got really cute kids and they want to get them in modeling and acting and you come down to this workshop and uh, you're it kid, you're adorable, we want you, you're in. You just got to pay for this photo shoot. You got to pay for this, get paid for that. And then <laughs> you know, how you get a magic deal. We're going to split the, you know, how, this is, this is even more intimidating to me than the film festival world. So David, how do you navigate through this? Well, the reason I, uh, I snapped at my good friend Christian is because she was talking about a 25 to 75 split. No, it's a 25 to 75 split after they take their additional expenses of making that deal happen with say the distributor. So listen, when they're talking to Netflix, one email, I guarantee you one of their attorneys is attached to that email. Now that attorney's gonna have to read that email and he's not gonna charge you a minute and a half for that email, he's gonna charge you a half hour for that email. And this is what they do is they start taking out all these expenses that were costing for whatever that 100% was and say for $100, that's now been knocked down to about $60, uh, technically, of the way, and then you get to split that 75, 25. But the way distributors bury money is astronomical, not just from the top level to the lower level. Quick math for everyone here. Disney hates when I tell this story, but they can't deny it. Um, I made a film called Bris Terabithia for $28 million. To date, it has grossed $250 million. Uh, that's a quarter of a billion dollars. I still get statements every six months from the distributor that the movie is $10 million uh, in the red and will never turn a profit. Now, I don't know if you guys did the math. It costs $28 million to make, and it's made $250 million, and it's $10 million in the red and will never turn a profit. And they claim it's because of marketing and distribution. Uh, is They lost a million dollars distributing a movie that was made 13 years ago. 
Now you explain to me how you can do that. <laughs> but it, it, and that is why that contract's 22 pages. I think the Disney one was 220 pages. It really is just a matter of the size of the beast. That is but, so discouraging. David, <laughs> that is so discouraging. Now, but to be clear, I got paid, everyone got paid, and everyone turned a little bit of a profit. But what I'm saying is they work very, very hard to hide any type of income. So that's why when I explained to her, distribution is great. And I told her early on, we are going to get a lot of offers for distribution. Um, today's film world is a double-edged sword. Any film can get distribution. Any film can get distribution. How does that film make money from the distribution? That is the, the grand old question. Because we tomorrow could negotiate a deal with Netflix. We tomorrow could negotiate a deal with iTunes for this film. They allow that. They allow that for independent filmmakers. But they will pay us nothing. And even our deliverables required for that would just add more debt to what we have. So part of the reason we do festivals is to create that buzz, to get that attention, to get the reviews, uh, and to get sales folks to see it and distributors to see it, to say, this is worthwhile. Whenever someone comes to knock on your door to sell you something, uh, how much do you want to buy that from them? <laughs> you don't know, right? Yeah. However, if you walk through a window and you see something in that window that really is very attractive, you'd like to inquire about that. You may actually buy that in the window. Well, the film festival world, the film festival world is our window. And without that window, everything gets knocked down to a lower level. And so for me to send an email or a phone call to a film uh, exec or distributor say, you have to check out my movie. They are like, why? <laughs> why hasn't this movie come to me? Why haven't I walked past that window? Now you're telling me that I'm going to open a door to a complete stranger to try to sell me a broom. You know, that's why there are no broom salesmen anymore, you know? And, and, and so that is the biggest challenge for filmmakers today is the correct distribution. When my film was at Sundance in 05, I think there was about 120 films, nine got offers and mine was one of them. And the rest of those movies pretty much never saw the light of day ever other than the film festival run because they were poor filmmakers they did not update the technology so they could upload it now to netflix or all these other festivals you know the changing of technology is every four or five years and so if you don't carry on your film to the next level of technology if you skip a generation it's going to cost you more money to convert that to the latest format than it ever cost you to make it so the point is that we're going to get many, many offers. They have to sell us, not sell us sell them the film. We know we have a great product. They have to convince us why they want it. And so this distributor, the first thing I said before looking at the 22 pages was, well, we need to talk to them and I want to find out what they have sold. What can they brag about? We know what we can brag about. We got a great damn film. You know, and we know it has value and we know it has international value. Uh, and these guys are asking just for North American rights. Why are they asking for North American rights? Well, because it's easy. It's in English and they can sell it. 
you know, we want to talk to people that can say, you know, I, I can sell this in Spain. I can sell this in Great Britain. Um, when someone just says we want the North American rights, North American rights always, even in the feature film business, that is, that is the golden, that's the golden goose. Uh, traditionally, it is. It was for theatrical release, but it is now for streaming as well. Because with streaming, everyone does English, you know. So you say North American rights, but streaming, you can have someone from from Australia be streaming from the North American rights element, you know. So that's what when you look in the distribution, you could say, okay, North American rights, but you can't stream outside the United States. Otherwise, they're going to be feeding off other potential markets. And again, that's why they make it 22 pages. <laughs> you can get lost in all that. And they say, oh, you didn't see subparagraph A, side E, D, dot, dot, where it says, yes, we can also, even though it's a North American-based distributor, we can do streaming platforms in other parts of the, of the world. So, you know, you got to make sure you can see all the ways they're going to cheat you. It is, that sounds very sad. As she said, it sounds very depressing. But you have to prepare. The way I think about film business, and I think I always end up saying really sad things, is everybody lies, everybody cheats, everybody steals. And it would be so cool to meet one person that doesn't do any of those three things in show business. And I'm pretty sure I've never met anyone who's covered all three of those. Because even the nicest people say, well, I may have bent the truth a little bit, you know, for this or something like that. So uh, there are no Jesus Christ figures in the entertainment business. Um, at all because it's, it's all about money i think it is it is about money and, that, and that's getting that's getting back to what we're talking distribution is about money but is money for who <laughs> so money for the filmmaker or for the distributor again when they say no money up front and you have to do twenty five thousand dollars worth of deliverables to us well who screwed at that point so what what's a good like a quick summary of a deal it would be offered that you go, hmm, this, this is worth considering. Yeah. What, is, what should we be hoping for, David? Well, first of all, you'd want to sit down and literally have them bathe you in compliments, tell you why this movie has to be theirs, as opposed to just sending you a 22-page contract. I think that's what they said. It's a good film. Here's 22 pages. Read it, sign it, and we'll move <laughs> forward. <laughs> I would like to say, I would certainly like, why do you think this is the greatest film? I think right. well, let, let me just give them, let me just say to, in their defense, they did said, oh my goodness, this is a very impressive film. This is very important. It is, we really need this film now. So they did at least say that. Yes. And I would say why and how, because I can bathe you in compliments in three or four sentences as well and say, this is an important film. Why is it important? And who are you going to be marketing it to? If you think it's so valuable, how are you, as our reps, going to be distributing this and to whom? Okay, back to, back to what would be a good deal, because we're running out of time. What would be a good deal for the girl who wore freedom? What would be a good deal? Obviously, either they cover the deliverables because they know it's that valuable to them, or you drop the split. You say, you know, we got to do the deliverables, then you have to drop it down to 15% or 20%. Once we've recouped our deliverables, then we'll open it up uh, back to a 25, 75. Um, but, you know, they have no skin in the game other than saying, great movie. We're going to try to sell it. By the way, if we don't sell it, uh, we're, we're not out of anything here. You know, we've lost nothing. You have lost the chance to distribute your film with someone else. You've lost the North American rights. So 
what is their risk? And so again, you asked me to throw some numbers out at you. I wouldn't even start discussing numbers until I hear what they can do for us because it is a, it is a gamble. And even with um, my film Love Ludlow, we shot it for 75 grand. Sounds great, right? Deliverables brought it to 125,000 because all the actors were deferred. They were SAG actors. So once the film got picked up, I had to pay all the salaries. I had to pay their, their pensions. I had to do that. The E&O insurance, as we discussed, um, you know, your completed film gets much more expensive once you get distribution. So sometimes distributors will say, we'll handle all that. That's, that's the big dogs. Nat Geo, National Geographic would say, we'll handle the deliverables and we'll do the 25-75 split. That would be a great deal. Well, and I would say, again, one of the things that you need to think about if you're a first-time filmmaker is there is something beyond, oh, I just want my film to be distributed. It's sort of, you know, you have to come to the table with, this is something I spent so much time on, I have spent a lot of money on, and I really, I don't need to give it away. You know, I think we need to believe in what we've done and we need to treat it with respect. And I do think at some point, someone will come along that has that same respect for us and will offer us a fair deal where they have skin in the game, money, where they have the motivation to make sure it makes money for both of us. And so, you know, a, a distribution deal is like a marriage and you really need to think carefully before you enter into it. And it really does need to benefit both people. Um, and you wa don't want to feel like you were, you know, a child bride that got, you know, everything stripped away from her before she knew what she was doing. And as a filmmaker, you know, your film's brilliant, but you also got to know who your audience is, who your target audience is. And you got to make sure that any distributor knows that as well. Uh, I personally, and I will stand by this, I think we will do a bulk of sales, both DVD and educational. People say, well, DVDs don't exist anymore. Absolutely, they do for anyone over 50. And a lot of people want to see this movie who are older. Yeah. And, and so, in Europe. And in Europe, they are still selling tons of DVDs in Europe. Exactly. So we can make a huge amount of money on this. Whereas you talk to a lot of these distributors, some of them don't even have DVD stuff in there. You know, they just, they don't even want to do that anymore. It's, it's not done anymore. But the fact is, this film, we are going to sell it. We are going to make money. I can never say we'll make all our money back because that would just be stupid. Uh, but I will say that there are ways for this film to make money that have to be explored. And when you get a 22 page document by a distributor, not really saying how they plan to distribute this, I certainly wouldn't sign it. I, I, I would need to hear their reasoning for the 21 of those 22 pages. Well, and just to be clear, we will set up a meeting with them. We will ask them those questions. Absolutely. We'll give them respect for you know, being interested in our film. But I think the takeaway from this podcast is definitely, you know, think about it, it, get, just getting distribution is not the goal. And it shouldn't be, oh my gosh, I've received distribution. I've, I have crossed the Rubicon, you know? I mean, it's now, that's really all I need to be concerned about. There is so much more beyond that. And you need to, 
enter carefully into those discussions and, you know, be well informed or have somebody on your team like David. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would take that one step back. Can you distribute your film? Can you get the deliverables together to do it? Because you can't get most of these distributors who say, no, I'm not going to take your film without the um, deliverables. So as an independent filmmaker, hey, I've finished my movie. Hey, I've sent it to festivals. Hey, someone wants it. Can I actually, do I have enough money? Do I need to borrow money from my parents? Do I have to rob a bank? How can I complete this film to give it to the distributors? Because as I said, so many films get made, get seen, that never got distribution because they just could not finish the film. And a quick, quick short story about that, that is there was a film at Sundance about 10 years ago that sold for $5 million. And then the, uh, the buyer found out that they never paid for any of the licensing rights for anything in the entire movie, like the posters and the kid's background, all the music that was playing, that was integral to it. They figured it would cost them about $15 million to pay for all the licensing rights and everything like that. And so that movie was buried in the backyard of whatever studio that bought it because they couldn't make the deliverables and they assumed the filmmakers had handled all that. So, you know, that's the other thing for you filmmakers. I hope you got your permissions for everything. And that's one thing we've went through a lot for the archival materials, the historical documents. If we don't have rights to that, no distributor is going to touch it. And even if this distributor said, hey, by the way, love it. We're going to give you 50 grand to finish deliverables. What? You didn't get any of the licensing for anything of your film? Then, Then no. We don't want anything to do with it. Well, and just by, you know, just for example, we have one minute of a song in our film that was recorded in 1939 called uh, South of the Border, Down Mexico Way by Kenny Baker. And it has taken me over six months to track down who owns the sync rights for that and who the publisher was and uh, to try to negotiate those deals on basically no money. And, and that's just one tiny little thing uh, that I've been working on for a really long time. So those, those are very, very big deals, things to consider. And, um, you know, it's, filmmaking is a lot more complicated than I ever imagined it to be. Sometimes I ask myself, why in the world do we do this? I mean, <laughs> it's really ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm asking brain, myself that right now. <laughs> brain surgery, filmmaking. Yeah, I think brain surgery is probably a little easier than uh, filmmaking. And so. it certainly pays a lot better. One other question I want to talk about next time, I don't know if you can answer it quickly, but as I've been, there was a sales agent. Well, she called herself, she calls herself an acquisitions executive. I'm not quite sure what that means, but sort of the way she was talking about functioning, she's interested in seeing our film and possibly helping us. But I think it's more of a sales agent. And you've talked about those before, but they sound like a dis- like this distributor. Basically, all they're going to do is take the film, lock up all the rights, go to people to try to make licensing deals, which kind of also sounds like a sales agent. So what is the difference between those two? A sales agent definitely is someone else who wants your money. Uh, and, uh, and they want to, um, 
all of my feature films, before they were even the day one of shooting them, there was already a sales agent attached. So a good sales agent is invaluable. They are worth their weight in gold. Um, because the sales agent is the one that goes after multiple distributors. So they'll go after one company to be the North American rights. Then they'll go after another country that will have all of the United Kingdom rights. Then they will go after Australia and such and such. So they will, and they will go after separate streaming deals and they will, and they know the best people and they know the people that actually pick up the phone at HBO, they you know the people that pick up the phone at Netflix, and they have the connections. But just as there's a billion distributors, there's also a billion sales agents. So once again, you need to talk to those people. You need to know what they've sold. You want to know what they can do for your movie other than take their percentage. And the one difference about distributors and salespeople is the salespeople are supposed to be hustling. They also come on a board early um, if you are going to do the festival run because they have contacts at festivals and they know buyers that will be at festivals and they know who to talk to and who not to talk to and they know of buyers and distributors that are bad news who talk a great game but are awful. Um, but also the problem with sales agents and we've experienced this now, I have friends who are sales agents who are overwhelmed with they have a backlog of films that haven't even gone to festivals that they're trying to sell. And again, they haven't had a shiny window to put that film in. So, you know, they're like, again, they're calling. And even though they know people at HBO, HBO is like, by the way, I, I have a bookshelf of films that I'm looking at that also didn't go through the festival. We have no reviews. We have no notifications, no accolades. So, you know, you, you got to get in line. You know, and, and that line just grows longer with COVID. That's the thing. And the one positive thing I would say about COVID is that filming has shut down completely. So <laughs> while there is a, uh, a backlog at the moment, six months, they're going to be buying stuff like nobody's business because they've run out of stuff they've shown. And right. even though they usually wait for festivals to see things, they're like, you know what? We got there's a thousand one streaming platforms. We need to start putting material for people to watch. You know, we can't keep doing those stupid ass game shows um, with empty audiences. You know, we have to have stuff. <laughs> we have to have documentaries. We have to have specials. And, and there's a ton that we're supposed to go to film festivals that literally are sitting there uh, for the picking. And I really think we have a shiny apple. It's just, we haven't been able to put it in that storefront window so we got to track down those people to look at that shiny apple and take a bite. Well, that was pretty good. I liked that one. That was good. <laughs> so do you guys have any other questions or have you learned anything today? <laughs> I've learned yes. a lot. I, I, I'm considering robbing the bank. Yeah. <laughs> you decided you're going to be a filmmaker after all this exciting news. <laughs> I'm going to go find a new career. <laughs> uh, David, I actually did have one question. Um, sure. So you're in the WGA, right? Yes. Okay. So when you've written films in the past, there's, there's that kind of the farce that you go through of the work for hire, right? So right. you write the thing, then they're like, no, we're hiring you as an employee, so we own it. Right. So is there an equivalent to that for documentary films, or, or what's, what's the procedure for that? Like, will Christian still own it, or what? How, how will that change as she's the 
writer, director, Every what? filmmaker owns that until they sign it away. Okay. So the whole idea is like my very first Sundance film, I own it, you know, and I can license it, but it is mine. Uh, my feature films, I don't own. I mean, Love Ludlow was a feature, but I mean, uh, my bigger ones, my studio ones, you, once you sign the dotted line as a screenwriter, you basically sign off your life and, and you know that they're going to completely rape you, but hopefully, you know, you'll make some money. So it does not sting as much. And, um, and, you know, I've never lost money on my feature films, which is a nice thing to say. Um, but uh, for documentarians, I would assume, say, like Ken Burns is a member of the WGA. <clears throat> um, but uh, I think it, it's the same way. You own, you own the property if you're in charge of the whole thing, unless okay. you've, you know, broken up ownership with the cinematographer you've broken up ownership with the director but generally as the creator it's it's christian's movie and okay and i would insist or try to convince her to always own it and right. so it, it is something in fact just a quick story i did a film called don't stop believing every man's journey about the film uh, the band journey i think it's still on itunes and amazon if you uh order it i'll get a nickel which what I appreciate. Um, <laughs> but my, uh, our sales agent just notified me that all of the rights expire next year. And he was never happy with the rights deal he got. So now he can go back to relicense the North American rights and the European. And, and so that'll be a new influx of income, um, which, which is another thing that I think in the contract it said a five-year deal, right? So again, that's a negotiable thing that you could say, make it three years. And if you haven't proven any value to us, <laughs> then all rights revert back. I mean, things like that are negotiable. Um, yeah. And what we're talking about, I think, is not that I'm giving away ownership, but that I'm giving away, well, I'm doing a deal for them to license so that they can then license to whoever is going to show it. So these are licenses with a limited term um i will still own it and can do you know my own private showings or whatever i want to do with it um but it is important that you think about all of those rights and questions yeah, basically you're you you're the mother of a dancing baby the babysitter takes the baby out you're paying the babysitter but the babysitter is also having the baby dance on the corner and taking some money from it as well so, you know, you just got to make sure it's always your dancing baby and you don't. You don't it has all these analogies. <laughs> you raised your kids, but this sounds crazy to me. Uh, you don't know how much money a dancing baby can make. Let me tell you. So, don't, don't knock it till you've actually exhausted a small child. So, yeah, especially now when you put it on, you know, YouTube and charge money for it if it was really exactly, good. exactly. Well, David, thank you for enlightening us. I don't know if I feel any more or less uh, encouraged, but I hope that everybody is more educated. <laughs> educated is the right word. As I said, and again, I've done a couple of these with you and I always got to temper it with like, was I really down or depressing? But the most important element is that this is both educational but also it gives you, um, it actually gives you artillery and, and the smarts because we are going to continue to get distribution offers. That I have absolute confidence in, but it's really not jumping at the first one. It's really, you know, having them impress us 
and showing us how they will make us money or make you money because I'm not in it for the money. I'm here just for the glory, the excitement, and the accolades. <laughs> but, but the idea is, yes, we need to sh they have to prove to us how they are going to show the value of this film and bring money to you. Yeah. Josh, you had a question? I, I did. I, I got an answer, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any others, Jason? No, I think that's it. All right. Okay. Well, we are out of time. This has been a great episode. Learning about brain surgery, robbing banks, game shows, sales agents. All Fancy babies. Fancy <laughs> babies. So I can't wait till next week. Till we'll be discussing then. <laughs> Thank for joining us. And, uh, Thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.